Tonight's expedition into the extra normal is brought to you by Mountain Sea Blast. It's no longer a war crime. just left the hardware store. What are you going to do? Well, gentlemen, it seems to me that if we're going to get anywhere and potentially retrieve Ebbs's boat, we're going to have to return up the mountain. Uh, we seem to have procured the best armaments that we can, although it may be worth our while to try a diplomatic approach at this point. Yeah, bro. Like, I ain't trying to fight no more, because, you know, they got sharp claw things and bitey teeths, and yeah, I got a shield here, you know. It's not me, bro. Well, best we can do at this point is try and see what happens. We shall demand an audience and see it returned post with. Well, hey, man, speaking of demanding an audience, like... Who are we demanding an audience with? That is a good question. It may be the first good question you've ever asked. I believe they will be known as the Convention. The Convention? What gives you that idea? Well, it is what I was told. From the hardware store. Guy. Yes, his name is Merle. Well, I guess if there was a convention in town, you know, people would be talking about it. Is there a convention center? It would appear that they have centered themselves atop that mountain. And we must go to greet them. You begin your ascent up the mountain, and there's a strange sense of stillness all around you. There's no noise from the animals. There's no movement. There's just the very faint rustling of the leaves in a gentle breeze. I do believe this means we're getting closer. Sir Osmond, it may be prudent at this point to scale back your declarations so as not to make them announcements of our approach. But we are not sneaking there. We seek an audience. Well, we're certainly not sneaking now. Lead on, good sir knight. Oh, very well. I shall. So, like, should we sing a song? Or, like, you know, uh... Wait, is it dark out? It is right about sunset. Alright, take a couple glow sticks out, just in case. And then I crack one. Crack the glow stick. Oh, thanks, man. Cool. Now I can see. All right. Ebbs. Yo. Osmond. Yes. It may be worthwhile to determine if we gain our audience. Who will do the talking? If we're looking for people in the woods and we want to start a convention, 
I'm going to set up a campsite right here. And I set up a campsite, put some rocks in a circle and some, some branches inside of the circle of rocks and a couple of logs around the circle. Then I light a fire. Very shortly thereafter, uh, you do have the sensation that you are being watched. Awesome, man. Because, like, that means there's somebody nearby. And if that means there's somebody nearby, then, hey, man, come on out of the woods. We're just all pals out here, brah. I take out some beef jerky and wiggle it at the woods. A moment or two later, somebody steps out of the woods. It's a slightly heavyset guy wearing flannel with a big bushy beard. He's got a big walking stick and a rucksack. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Oh, hey, man. You know, just out here having a party. Well, I say party. It's more like a sit down. I see, see, there's only three of you. I don't know if I'd call that a party, but... Well, is it a crowd? Something's a party and something's a crowd. Well, three's company, too. Well, anyway, you know, here we are, hanging out. I guess, like you said, yeah, not a party, but, you know, chilling. He starts walking over. Supposedly there's a convention in the area. Do you know what that is? I'd like you to roll to investigate a mystery. Sure, man. Investigating mystery is sharp, and my five and two and two make nine. So you get one question. What's being concealed here? When you ask about the convention, uh, his eyes shift ever so slightly, uh, as though he definitely understands what you're talking about, and he becomes a little bit more guarded. I, uh, I think if you're looking for a convention center, there's... Gotta be something, uh, down towards the base of the mountain, but in one of the bigger towns. Up here, it's just, uh, just the woods. Yeah, but, like, I don't know, a week ago, two days, sometime back, this really big bird came down to the beach and took my boat. And my buddies over here were like, we should totes get your boat back, man. And I'm like... No, I'll just buy a new boat. But then they were like, but there was a dude in the boat. We should help the dude out too. I'm like, you know, that's a thing. So now we're here chasing a bird who took my boat, who took a dude. And that led us to you. So like, where's my boat, bro? You know, when I was younger, I had a really, really big, tough dog. and. He used to keep the chickens on our, at our, our lot safe from the foxes. And every night when we went to bed, we knew the chickens would be safe because we had old Rex out there. And old Rex, he kept anything from coming to our yard. But one day, he got a whiff of something bigger. We're pretty sure it was a a mountain lion, but, well, he chased it off and kept going. And, well, Rex picked a bigger fight than he could handle and took us two days to find his body. 
All I needed to do was hang out, stay by the coop, keep our chickens safe, and everything would have been fine. It's an interesting story, son, but let me tell you a story. Once, a very long time ago, Almighty God set forth this land, and all of it was his yard. And, seeing not chickens, but a flock of sheep that needed protecting, he demanded that those who were true and pure of heart rise to the occasion. He bid them to guard the whole flock. I have been called to do so. He makes me strong. This is his yard and his flock. There is no mountain lion. Now then, have you seen a boat in the area? I would like for you to roll to manipulate someone. Okay. That is going to be a four and a two, which makes six. Now plus my tough, thanks to the last beat I picked up on my level, of two, that'll be an eight. So you stand up tall and firm and stare him down with the faith behind your words. And he takes a half a step back. Believe me. I don't want confrontation. I believe we can just as easily settle any and all confrontations with words. But, rest assured, I am not leaving this mountain without a boat, without ensuring that the man who is inside the boat is well. Those are my conditions. Well... I have to warn you, there are things on this mountain older than your religion. Well, look, man, it sounds to me like even though your dog Rex did run off and have to be found two days later, he was still protecting. And using that as the analogy, just because there's something big and bad out there doesn't mean the dude that was in my boat doesn't need protecting. Father O'Malley here. Looks like he needs to do some protecting. So if you could just point us to the convention, I'm going to give you a high five and leave you this jerky. He turns around, and as he begins walking into the woods, a path opens before him. The plants and undergrowth just move to the side. And what was once impassably dense growth is now as clear a path as you've seen on the mountain. Shall we, gentlemen? All right, high five. Here's your jerky. You're not going to leave that burning, are you? What? No, it's a bunch of glow sticks. 
I'm sorry. I said start a fire, but I had a whole bunch of glow sticks and like I threw them down there and said, look, I started a fire. I take my glow sticks with me. He shakes his head and continues leading the way. The path opens into a large clearing atop the peak of the mountain. There are maybe half a dozen tents of various varieties, different makes, from a wooden frame covered by tanned hides to a very sophisticated, fancy-looking, modern four-room tent with an electrical generator outside of it. Several people do notice you as you emerge from the woods. There are a couple of what look to be hipster campers at the tent nearest you as you emerge. In the center of this clearing is the hull of the ebbs and flow. That was the name of your boat, right? It was, man. Yeah. Is the pigeon man in evidence? I'm sorry, the seagull man. Roll to investigate a mystery. All right. So a five plus a one plus zero. Oh, no, plus one. Sorry. Is seven. Right? Five, one is six plus one is seven. Maybe math isn't that hard after all. I, I've been learning from ebbs. Yeah, man. Just make sure you add the extra one at the end. Then it becomes two. You get a hold one. What is being concealed here? Every now and then, the light shining down from the full moon is briefly interrupted by a shadow. When you look up, that giant condor is circling this summit. You believe you see on the silhouette of the bird as it flies past the moon that it is carrying some sort of wicker cage. Oh, no. I'm going to try to catch Sir Osmond's eye and just look up to indicate um, there's something going on in the sky without drawing too much attention to it. That's subtlety I'm so infamous for asking for. I will take note and look up. I think we're getting closer to what we came for. Yeah, man, my boat's right there. You certainly have me there, Ebs. And I run over to it. Hey, what's up, boaty boat? As soon as you break into a sprint, the camp jumps into action. There are several armed guards who leap out from the tents nearest to the hull of the boat. They're wearing fairly modern hiker's gear, but they are carrying spears that look as though they were carved from wood and have stone heads strapped in with vines. The condor cries out, and everyone is getting ready to make a move. Well, man, I stopped my tracks then, bro. Whoa. What's with the weapons, dudes? You took my boat, and I'm here to say hi to it. And you're pulling spears on me. Not okay. And I point my finger at each one of them as I say those words. As you point your finger, they dodge as though they were expecting something to happen. I look at my finger pistols. And I put them in my pockets. At this point, I will step around Ebbs. uh, Into the center of view for 
everyone that I can get to view me with my hands raised. Good folks, my name is Father Donald O'Malley. I am a man of faith. Uh, my companions here mean no harm or intrusion. However, as was previously indicated, uh, this young man, Trevor Ebbs, is the owner of that boat. Uh, it is the primary reason that we have returned here, uh, so that we may bring it forth and return it to its rightful owner. In addition, when last we were in the boat, there was a man inside whom we had opportunity to parlay with and befriend, and we simply wish to ensure that that man has come to no bodily harm. Now, clearly, everyone here has weapons, but it may be best for everyone to simply approach this rationally and calmly through discourse. Certainly, I do not seek to begin any violence, and if Ebbs gave offense by uh, rushing forward, it was merely that he was overjoyed to see his property. Is there someone here who speaks for the group? I am, of course, uh, attempting to use my move Soothe, uh, which, you know, when I talk to someone for a few seconds in a quiet voice, I can calm them down, blocking any panic, anger, or other negative emotions that they have. You are able to de defuse the situation ever so gently. The... Two men with spears lower the points and look back and forth to each other. A female voice comes out over the assemblage. Who has led a priest of the usurper to our ritual site? I'm I'm sorry, ma'am, but I I think you should I think you should talk to them. And from the ground grows a large flowering pod, and the petals spread, leaving behind a woman clad in vines with a variety of flowers woven into her waist-length hair. Her face is etched with anger and with sorrow. We have lost more than half of the congregation before they arrived. You lead these people here? They're the ones who are attacking us. Well, I don't know about attacking, man. Like, one minute I was on the beach, and the next minute I was still on the beach, but my boat wasn't with me. And, like, I didn't ask the bird to come take it. That's not cool. And I'm pretty sure we're the ones that are beat up here because, like, you know, the spooky tree creatures beat us up. It is true, madam, that we had a confrontation with 
some individuals I can only assume are part of your group. However, that situation escalated quickly and unintentionally. It is also my belief that we did no lasting harm to those members of your community, nor did we intend to. We simply, once again, were here for simple reasons to retrieve the property of young Ebbs and to ensure that the Seagull Man uh, was not harmed. I cannot lie. I did so inflict a grievous wound upon that large flying creature after it appeared out of nowhere, swooping down and attacking an innocent man, swallowing him whole. Yes, that was, in fact, something that happened, uh, which was terrifying. Uh, however, in that instance, we were attacked first, and Osmond did wound the bird. I can't deny that. I will retrieve from my possessions the chunk of beak that I was keeping as trophy. A younger woman steps out of the shadows near the boat. She is dressed in some sort of ceremonial garb made from feathers that looks a little bit anachronistic on her with her jeans and white stripes t-shirt underneath. Yes, these were the ones who attacked Alicanto. That is indeed a piece of his... of his beak. It's due to them we almost did not recover the prisoner. And I'm certain that they're the reason that the others have not made it to the conclave. That's an awful lot of surety for somebody that I don't recall seeing there. Because, like, there was a big bird. And there were a lot of scared people. But I think I would have noticed somebody else dressed all birdie-like. Kind of hanging out in the parking lot. And that's a lot of words for somebody who's killed our brethren and come to attack our conclave. Wait, who'd I kill? I can assure you, madam, that we have killed no one. Wait. Are you friends with the Sandersnatch? Everybody just kind of looks at you confused. All right. All right, bet. Good. You know, because then I might have actually by accident, you know, because like we did just defeat, this, you know, this big sand beast the other day that was like totally trying to hurt us, you know. But uh, but that was the last like, you know, that was the last fight that I won. Like I said, got my butt kicked yesterday by like a bunch of big pointy teeth, claw fingered thingies. And before the creatures of sand, we did so battle with a large man in the shape of a a shark, you said, was it, young Trevor? Yeah, 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 shark man, dude. Totally. Yes, a man with the body of a shark and the teeth of a shark. We did so, in fact, also slay him after he ravaged and assaulted innocent people of yonder city. If your people were not of this sand creation, or of this shark-like body, nor were they the body-changing uh, types of which we were accosted by earlier, 
then I know not of whom you speak that we are so responsible for assaulting. I am Sir Osmond of the Flow, Knight of the Round Table, Seeker of the Grail, and I do not lie. The woman who stepped out of the flower begins to speak. You have admitted to attacking those of our congregation. You have driven them away. You have reduced our numbers. You have made us ripe for further assault. Madam, though we did battle the two creatures, individuals, they broke off our combat when they heard a whistle. They headed in the direction of the whistle, I believe, that may have come from this location. I can guarantee you that they were alive when last we saw them. These are the words of someone who who is just trying to shift the blame. M- maybe they weren't the ones who, dis- who struck any decisive blows, but they and whoever is working with them can't be allowed here. Madam, I can assure you that we three are the only ones in league with each other. There is no one else behind our actions or working in conjunction with us. In fact, several times... Then when we deal with the three of you, there's nothing more to worry about. Alicanto! And the large bird begins to descend. Hey folks, welcome to the middle of episode 11. Thanks for still being here. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, We have made it to 11 episodes, and 11 is more than 10. Speaking of 10, last week was our drawing. And if you didn't hear then, go back and listen, and you'll find out who won. And while we're here in our usual mid-show reminder to check us out on all your favorite digital platforms, including Podbean and Spotify and iHeartRadio and Pandora and pretty much anywhere where you can get cool podcasts, we have a pitch for you, our fans. Because we are looking to expand our show slot here at the Umbral Theater. We are looking for uh, new to D&D players who would be interested in learning the game via podcast. Yes, we would love to get a handful of folks together who've never played D&D before. Uh, who are new to role-playing, or I mean, even if you've played once or twice back in college or something, that's good enough. We just want to get some folks together walk them through creating a character, play some games with them, and expose more people to not only how fun the game can be, but how easy it can be to start up and find yourself with a brand new hobby. So go check out our Facebook page where you can find all that information. Yes, or you can send us an email at theumbraltheater at gmail.com. And now, back to the show. The giant bird begins to descend at a rapid pace. And the first thing immediately noticeable about it, besides its enormous size, is the way that the moonlight glints off of its feathers. This bird has some kind of a metallic sheen to it. I get inside the boat. I assume that it did not have the metallic sheen when we fought it in the grocery store parking lot? 
That is correct. All right. As it's descending, I will uh, pull out my flaming broadsword from my gym bag. I will keep my shield ready, but I... Noticing the, the suddenly new metallic uh, features of it, I'm looking specifically at the part of the beak that I broke off earlier to see if that damage is still there. Roll to investigate a mystery. Oh, okay. Uh, with a three and a two, plus my sharp of one, I get a grand total of six. A six is not a good number. Nope. You may mark an experience point. And you are just caught up staring at this thing, dazzled by by this creature, as it lands and pins you to the ground using one of its enormous talents. (laughs) I take out my rope from earlier and lasso the bird's neck. Roll to act under pressure. Uh, act under pressure is cool. And a five and a three is an eight. And cool for one is a nine. Okay. You definitely get the lasso around the bird's neck. But it lifts its head and you along with it. Bye. I look the flower woman directly in the eye and say, For the third time in less than a week, your side has attacked mine first. And then I take a swing with my broadsword at the bird. Roll to kick some ass. All right. A three and a six is a nine, plus my tough of two is an eleven. An eleven is pretty good. That gets you an additional effect. Yes, I will choose to take less harm. Actually, no. I'm going to choose to have its attention focused entirely on me so that hopefully it releases Osmond. You step up to the screeching bird and slam your flaming sword into its wing, connecting right at the joint at the top. How much damage do you deal? I deal three harm. Uh, It's also fire and holy, if that matters. There's a large clanging sound, but you do believe you have left a dent in this creature's wing. It screeches, and shifts, taking its weight off of Osmond. But it takes a bite at you, dealing four points of harm. Alright, I will reduce by one. Um, due to my armor, but I am now unstable and not looking so hot. Um, when I land on the other side, I take my rope and tie it off to a tree. Roll to act under pressure. Well, that is a three and a one. Plus my one for cool for a five. But because I don't want my dude getting beat up, I'm going to spend a point of luck and just get it done. You swiftly dive around a very large tree and 
tie this off. The Alicanto lunges forward and tries to bite Father O'Malley again, but stops inches short because of the rope. I would like to use that opportunity as it's snapping at Father O'Malley to confirm my earlier suspicion as to whether or not that damage to the beak is still there. Roll to investigate a mystery. Better this time. A four and a three is seven, plus my one for a total of eight. With an eight, you get to hold one and ask one question. What happened here? There is definitely a large chunk missing out of this thing's beak. It looks to be the same size and shape as the piece you have. But the beak in your hand is definitely a physical beak. A a traditional bony beak, whereas this creature's beak is indeed made out of some form of metal. The flower lady shouts out over the roar of battle. Call off your beast! It's going to kill someone! Indeed, the various persons at this gathering are diving for cover and hiding behind things. Is this not your beast? I say looking at the woman who I thought called it. The flower woman definitely isn't the one who called it. The one who called it was the the woman in feathers. Oh. And she's she's screaming the other one to call it off? Yes. I'm going to step to the girl in feathers, look her dead in the eye, and say, Can you not see the harm you bring not only to outsiders, but to your own people? If this is indeed your intended purpose, I would hazard a guess that it is you who has caused such harm as to drive people away from this gathering, not my compatriots. Now... Call it off, or I will end the caller and not the beast. And I will raise my sword as if to threaten her. Roll to manipulate someone. Alrighty. A five and a six is an eleven. Plus two for my tough is a thirteen. With hatred in her eyes, she lowers her gaze and shouts a few words in some kind of indigenous language. The large bird shrieks a metallic noise and tries to take off. Ebs, let it go. All right. I undo the knot. Roll to act under pressure. Uh, Four and a five. And a one is a ten. You get the knot done quickly enough that nothing further bad happens. Although you do lose the rope. Ah, took my boat, took my rope. I'm not this bird's friend. The bird did, however, drop the wicker cage it was holding as it descended. And lying in that cage is a whimpering old man, growling various cusses under his breath. Do we recognize this old man? Yes. Hey, man. How come the old dude is inside a cage? And how come he looks scared? Just because I don't want that beast killing our druids doesn't mean you can bully me. And she flicks her wrist at you. 
and vines erupt from the ground, entangling you. These vines aren't conveniently catching on fire? Uh, well, I mean, what are you doing? Like, you have... Like, I'm gonna attempt to use my sword to set the vines on fire. Uh, roll to act under pressure. Alright, so that is a four and a four, which be a eight, and we add to that my wonderful cool of zero for an eight. With an eight, you begin hacking and slashing. The vines are beginning to overwhelm you, but you are able to keep your sword arm free. In the aftermath of the giant condor descending and going back into the sky, um, as I noticed the uh, people of this convention diving for cover, I'd like to make a once-around and make sure everyone is okay. Okay, you begin checking on the various peoples. Ebbs? Yeah, man, like... I start walking towards the viney lady. Look, we didn't come here for a fight. But, you know, in the words of Father O'Malley, God willing, we'll fight. But we don't want to fight. We don't want to die. I don't think you want your people to die because you called the bird away. So, like, can we just not do this? Roll to manipulate someone. Sure, man. I have a cool move called C. It all fits together. And I can use my sharp instead of my cool. Or my charm. Because they both suck. But my sharp is a 2. And that makes my 5 and a 3 a 10. I'm not growing as a person. But I'm getting things done. She stops. And while she doesn't yet remove the vines from the father, she does look at you with more curiosity than anger. What then have you come here for? My boat. And, you know, to make sure that Seagull Dude was cool. And, like, he doesn't look cool. So, you know, that's not cool, man. He probably won't be cool. He has committed grievous sins against us and will be appropriately punished. Oh. Well, that's like a total bummer. The woman in the feathered get-up approaches. Don't listen to their honeyed words. These people are obviously here to disrupt everything we're doing. They're trying to free the captive. I still believe they're the ones who drove off or killed our compatriots. Their arrival is definitely not a coincidence of any sort. Osmond, would you be so kind as to tell these wonderful people what it would mean for your honor to have slaughtered innocents or to have, in fact, left a fight unfinished or any of the other things that you so often share with the group? As I, as I finish taking care of the... Uh people that were around me that were uh, receptive to my help of getting them out of the dirt and grime that they had shoved themselves into to keep themselves safe. Why? I would have none at all! 
as a knight of the round table, honour is the most important virtue I possibly have. I will not lie. I have, in fact, done battle with that bird before. But only because it had attacked someone out in the middle of the road upon which we were walking. I am a questing knight who does not battle with innocent people. I am a questing knight who combats monsters, things that are of no recourse, are not receptive to reason, are not themselves innocent. And when the battle begins, I see it through to the end. So I can assure you, I have not slain whoever it is you believe me to have slain, when in fact, I, Sir Osmond of the Flow, Knight of the Round Table, have introduced myself, have been invited here, and yet not a one of you has told me your names. I'd like you to roll to manipulate someone. Uh, let's see, two and a six with my charm of plus two. That is a ten. The woman in vines looks at you and her eyes open in recognition. You, you indeed were one of the knights of the table round. I recognize you. Truly? Yes, yes. My (sighs) apprentice tended to your king. I am so sorry that I did not recognize this before, Sir Osmond of the Flow. I am Titania. The Lady Titania herself! I dropped to one knee. Please rise, Sir Knight. It has been a long time since I've held royal title. And it has though not for me, for the rest of the world, been quite some time since I have sat at the table round. Forgive me, but I, in fact, will respect how things had once been. You vouch for these two? Young Trevor is my great descendant. He is young, has a long way to go, but his future is certainly a bright one. And the father O'Malley is a good man. He may have seemed harsher today, but it is because he knows he is walking a path of righteousness, not villainy. With a twirly wrist gesture, the vines surrounding you recede back into the earth, Father O'Malley. Thank you, Osmond, for clarifying things. And with that, I'll return my sword to its gym bag. The feathered woman speaks up again. Lady Titania, I cannot state it in strongly enough how dangerous these people are. We have seen that they have amongst their number one of impeccable virtue. We shall trust the old ways. The feathered woman shakes her head and begins heading back towards the fancy tent. Forgive me, Lady Titania, if we have provoked dissent in your court. Such was not our means of... I hope you will accept our apologies in that regard. This dissent has been brewing for some time now. There are rumours that the Grail is found again. Truly? 
and its power is, well, we do not feel those of modern sensibilities are safe wielders. They have indeed proven themselves to be different. Instead of a clay goblet, they have all of their drinks from a cylinder of metal and many other strange new things that I have been sorely unaware of until arriving here mysteriously. But if I am here, it is for a purpose. And as ever, I seek the grail. Perhaps it is not misfortune that brings us together, but fortune itself. Having one such as you as an ally would be quite the honor. She turns back towards the gentleman who invited you here. Bob, could you please be a darling and come here and uh, see to our guests? Yeah, hi. I'll, I'll help him out. C- come on, guys. I got some uh, some food and and brewskis over here at the uh, at the tent. All right, cool, man. Party time. And he brings you over to a an igloo cooler and provides you with several beverages. Uh, I got, uh, I got beer, I got, uh, some wine coolers, I got water, I got, uh, soda, and he holds up a can of Mountain Sea Blast. No, I would not, I, no, I, I would not consume that. I mean, yeah, it's full of empty calories, but gotta have something for the kids, you know? Oh, no, no, sir. If you heard earlier, we... We had told you about the uh, creatures that emerged from the sand. You are holding the culprit. He looks down at the can. He looks back to you. And the shark, dude. Okay, I'll get you a beer. And he puts it back into the cooler and hands you um, light beer. So like, hey man, what's going on with the seagull, dude? Uh, Well, he was sent out here to... To do some research to find information on the Grail. But since the last time we saw him, he uh, he's lost his mind. He started attacking people with his birds. He's, he's become violent. And we can't have people like that on the payroll if you, you get my drift. While I <clears throat> understand your need for non-violence or anonymity. I can tell you that when we encountered this man, other than what appeared to be a desire to be alone, he did not present any direct harm. He even returned Sir Osmond to us after he was captured and we did have parlay with him over a pie, and while certainly not the most approachable of fellows, he did seem somewhat in his right minds. Is it possible that whatever happened was uh, what we would say in these modern times a frame job? Well, that's what this here trial's to find out. He's going to answer for his crimes, and 
Titania will decide whether, well, whether or not he'll be returning to the Earth. If I am to understand, the purpose of this trial is to determine the guilt in... murder. It's not the worst thing to kill someone. Corruption, though. Corruption doesn't fade. If that evil gets inside you, if it starts turning who you are, well, you're gonna you're gonna make more more and more mistakes. You're not you can't be trusted to keep keep going around with the powers that we wield. To be sure, evil is a, a cursed thing that should and must be stamped out at all costs. But what if, as my good friend, the Father O'Malley here says, is true? And the evil that is within him was not put there by himself. Well, if it's eaten him to his core, there's nothing we can do. And if it wasn't him who put it there, well, we're in a whole lot of trouble. (laughs) 